वेलकम बैक टू द वन टेक शो पॉडकास्ट इन दिस एपिसोड वी आर इन कॉन्वर्सेशन विद अ वेरी वेरी स्पेशल गेस्ट आवर गेस्ट टुडे इज ज्यूरिस्ट डॉक्टर श्रीकांत पार्थसारथी डॉक्टर पार्थसारथी इज द फाउंडर ऑफ चेंबर्स ऑफ डॉक्टर श्रीकांत पार्थसारथी एंड डोर टेनेंट एट हॉलबर्न चेंबर्स इन लंडन He is also the alumnus of the Hague Academy of International Law, uh, that is Hague Peace Palace. He is a panelist at 34 international arbitral institutions of prominence, and he is a recipient of President's Award for PhD in Investment and Finance Law. One of the very few supporting members from India of the top five maritime arbitration organizations of the world. He is the International Arbitral Council for Forbes 500. family advisor and chief legal and finance officer with 15 years of experience in arbitration cross border mergers and acquisitions corporate finance treasury fundraising etc he has previously worked as a venture partner and finance champion with experience in hand holding the entire finance function handled investments over 100 million us dollars in india southeast asias and in areas of qsr technology infrastructure education etc he is an expert for the european commission he is the visiting professor for national law schools he is the fellow of asian institute of alternative dispute resolution he is the cpr distinguished neutral and arbitrator member at international bar association panelist at delos dispute resolution he is a mentor for niti ayog supporting member for hong kong maritime arbitration he is a panel member for german arbitrations and he has represented india in the world space law he has been a visiting professor for iim indore he is a member of gujarat maritime cluster he has been the member of international council of arbitration he is a member for young singapore international arbitration center and he has been a technical arbitrator for inter dispute resolution center that is idrc he has been a visiting professor for various law schools and various management schools such as the nasimuji school or sp jain school or various other such institutions inside our country and in totality he brings to this episode one of the finest most rich most vibrant experiences and perhaps the most interesting conversations that one could ask for well if you like this episode make sure you like share and subscribe to the channel if you have any suggestions or feedbacks write them down in the comment section i would love to read them it's ladies and gentlemen without further ado let's start with the podcast you want something go get it period all right so we are recording hello so welcome to the one take show i am so excited and so honored to have this incredible incredible opportunity i still remember we were competing for the fti moot uh, both regional rounds as well as the global rounds and i had the opportunity to run into you to be adjudicated by you uh, to present my case uh, in front of you and it was absolutely blissful i think your journey with law your journey as a part of your career has become an example for anyone who wants to either follow your part uh but and also to create their own niche in this industry to understand what are the possibilities that can be explored so thank you so much for taking time off your very busy schedule and sitting down with me for this conversation it, it is indeed my pleasure to give back to the <clears throat> to the student community i would say um uh, i clearly recall the conversation that we had uh, during the fdi moot it was one of those probing questions that i had uh, in far as a problem of that particular year is concerned and uh, i had i had been particularly quite uh, chatty i would say in my in mooting experience i would say uh, primarily because of the fact that i would like to get the best sort of a particular candidate uh, or a particular participant who is participating and uh, the the reason why uh 
I chose Mooting as a platform to engage with the with the future of today, uh, and uh, the the ones who would replace me perhaps in the, the future is to make them more agile and more uh, inviting to discussions and to perhaps questions. I would say. Uh, as we speak, I am going to be in the FDI moot of this year, uh, and uh, we had a new moot which was being formulated. Uh, I wouldn't say new to 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 India as such, but a new moot that uh, I was perhaps participating, which is called the mediation moot, which is the FDI uh, state uh, investor mediation moot. I would strongly urge the viewers of your channel uh, to participate in it. With that being said, uh, my uh, initial and foremost thanks to you, Kostup, to, to, to have made this possible and to help me share the journey so far. I started my journey in 2007. And as we speak, I, uh, I spoke the same at a, at a similar event and where I was sharing the, the journey with uh, about 2,400 students in person, and this was an auditorium which was which was brimming, and people were were trying to get in into the into the uh, auditorium. It was quite a big auditorium. Um, I wouldn't want to name the 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 name of the university unless uh, uh, until the video comes up of the of the conversation. But that being said, uh, starting my journey back in 2007. Uh, the world was going through a lot of crisis, much like the crisis that we are going through right now. And that was a financial crisis that was going, that the world was going through. There was meltdown that was happening. And uh, with meltdown comes a lot of litigation, much like uh, we saw in 2008, 2010, and perhaps in 2013 uh, with the war. And uh, in 2015, when 1516, when the decision of Brexit actually happened, which fructified into a decision in 2020. So the world has been has been through very very turbulent times, and with turbulent times comes the the need for councils and the need for uh, knowledge to step in to make some sense out of this conflict. And as we speak uh, today. The world is going through a lot of conflict and a lot of challenges in terms of sanctions, in terms of uh, proceedings in the International Court of Justice, in terms of opinion juris, and so on and so forth. So uh, I would strongly urge any uh, any viewer of this particular channel to particularly delve into the crisis that we are living in and to draw parallels to the crises that uh, we have been in the past because that is what shaped me to, to reserve the point of uh, where I started. And in 2007, it was, it was uh, literally, we did not know the financial law and arbitration as, as it stands today did not exist in the, in the most advanced forms or not talked about as vehemently as uh, it was talked about uh, 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 right now in, in the past one year in 2007. So uh, we started off with templates and we started off uh, with financial uh, transactions mandated by certain central governments uh, or central banks uh, 
uh, at those points we used to call it the ISDA contracts. And those ISDA contracts had those inherent complexities of moving away from a templatized version of a contract versus setting your own templates and the litigation that followed uh, thereafter. Um, it, it, uh, it, it, it slowly led me toward, uh, toward non-standardized mechanisms of contractual arrangements, which led me to a lot of, uh, I would say, startups, uh, which kept me in Bangalore for some time because Bangalore was the hub of startups. And those were the times when Swiggy used to be called, uh, you know, Swiggy is still called Bundle Technology, but Swiggy was better known as Bundle Technologies. Uh, and then we had uh, a, a series of uh, uh, companies which were operating from uh, a small nook and they were looking at uh, possible investments. And that gave birth to a whole lot of complexities, primarily because of the fact that international companies wanted to invest in India and there was a, there was a boom in the market. Uh, in 2015, I, I uh, started a fund which was uh, investing in, in companies. And then I was also acting as a legal counsel for various companies uh, in terms of managing the fund and in terms of uh, helping family offices and so on and so forth. So the journey has been through a lot of turbulence. So with turbulence arises work and with work arises knowledge and then the whole cycle repeats. So with knowledge arises turbulence and turbulence and, uh, and, and so on and so forth. So uh, one, if one, where to, if, uh, I were to uh, perhaps summarize the the entire 15 years into one story that would be the macro level conflicts slash turbulence slash uh, pointers which are leading the legal profession in a particular direction. And as we stand today, the law has undergone a lot of change. And new laws are being introduced. The last I checked, 17 laws were introduced in the parliament uh, in the last session. Uh, amongst them is, in, is, a, is a criminal bill. Amongst them is the Antarctic bill. And amongst them is a, is a bill to regulate the um, geographic uh, contours of certain, uh, uh, certain uh, territories that we have. So uh, <clears throat> to me, to me, uh, the youngsters of today should read up quite a bit on uh, the latest events that are happening on the parliamentary side, on the legislative side, to look at how drafting happens. So to me, uh, the, the, the great uh, point of pivot for a young council who would like to venture into this particular, or rather would like to become uh, uh, the name to be recalled, a name to be to be reckoned with, is to uh, branch out of the the seniors' uh, direction and venture in on their own. So, as a matter of fact, as we speak, I have I have five uh, research assistants who um, who help me in terms of formulating certain uh, legislative policies of four island countries. And we have we have drafted the law 
of arbitration of four island countries and that is a phenomenal task uh, that could be handed down to a, a, a assistant who is uh, who's basically writing the law of a country and imagine that's the highest position that you can perhaps get after uh, being a, a democratically elected uh, uh, person of a particular country so um, so that has been that has been my journey and i have uh, always uh, furthered my interest in research which led me to uh, perhaps the hog academy and then uh, pursuing my phd uh, and as we speak uh, today uh, i am advising um, the european commission on certain matters uh, including the legislative framework and advising on the tfeu so so my journey has been through a lot of geopolitical action which is going on in terms of um, in terms of various countries various uh, uh, various organizations and various uh, i would say treaties which are binding countries together and the treat the same treaties which are letting the countries separate from each other so that is that has been a large part of the work and the young councils of today must must look at courts or legislative systems outside india to get a hold of what comparative uh, legislature looks like uh, and perhaps uh, uh, a good point of uh, conversation or uh, a good point of indication of of, of legislation would be uh, i wouldn't say a good point but let me rephrase that uh, uh, a good thought about a legislation is how the arbitration act is a mere representation of the ancestral and we have uh, many many countries actually signing up for the ancestral model uh, a funny fact that we would like to uh, i would like to give you the the icc cpr uh, the icc cpr was initiated in 1966 but our constitution was born in 1950 and the iccpr article 19 is a mere representation of what we have in article 19 in india in the constitution so imagine the the level of reach that the indian constitution has had over there and the level of uh, reach that, that uh, particular legislation has had over here so apologies for being uh, a little uh, overly uh, i would say <clears throat> uh, overly essayistic in my answer but to me the the legal profession is such that you have to think beyond the the answer that you intend to give it's, it's never a yes or no or a binary answer in my opinion at least uh, to give you an answer to any any particular situation including the journey of a particular individual right right because there are there are lot of such inputs in this answer that I would love to explore apart from the fact that there is definitely intersectionality that i would like to explore especially when it comes to international law and the kind of evolution that we are observing and from a students limited point of view which is usually and majoritarily the viewer base of my podcast where we try to understand how international law is and is a sphere where we can either explore or how can we participate as students if you pointed out that your research assistants are not just participating but are key factors sort of uh in your while assisting you the key factors while formulating let's say arbitration laws for certain countries and that in itself is uh, a testament to how important 
such legal education or legal exploration can be for a law student's life. But if I were to break it down and sort of uh, bring a couple of points clear, because I would love to have some sort of clarification on some points that you mentioned, because I think they're very important. Uh, I think with the career that you've had with respect to this exploration of, of, of a study, of a research, of a constant engagement with such legal study, must have started at some, uh, some point of time in your law school because every law student, as what I have experienced as well, in law school does not always find a clear-cut answer that this is okay, this is something that I want to do or this is where I want to spend the next 10, 15, 20 years of my life on the get-go, especially when you point out that in times of crisis, there is obviously a response that is required from uh, the industry entrance, especially the aspirants who are just about to enter the industry. So if you could identify that one point of time in your in your educational background where you could uh, point out that, okay, this is the point where I wanted, where I realized that this is the area that I wanted to enter into, and this is the kind of research that I wanted to undertake, and what was that realization like? What were the factors that helped you uh, sort of facilitate that realization into actual tangible work as well as the output of that work? So to, to be very honest, Kostov, uh, I think... Uh... I did not ha quite have a realization per se, but I I had a point uh, during my educational life, and I, I would consider myself to be a student even now. So the your viewer is me as well, because I'm a student, everyone is a student for life, uh, in my opinion, at least. So, so to me, the realization was when I saw this, this big a book, on, uh, I would say, corporate law. I, uh, my friends, what are the limited friends that I had at that particular point of time, found it very difficult to comprehend uh, corporate law. And it was mixed with SEBI laws and uh, it was mixed with financial laws, including international law. They had a very mixed feeling about it. And when I say mixed feeling, it was mostly a mixed feeling of feeling neutral and feeling bad. So that's a different kind of mixed, uh, not the good and the bad. It was a neutral and bad. Uh, to me, it was never a mixed feeling. It was a, I could, I could perhaps interpret uh, the book in a, in a manner that would, uh, that would stay within the book and stay and perhaps even add on to the book in terms of what could be the potential uh, potential law slash potential case which is out there which is relatable to that particular knowledge of uh, area that I'm studying. So perhaps uh, to me when I pick up let's say the, there's a book which is lying around so this book um, which is a ICLR to me when I pick up a book uh, it doesn't feel like the the words are being written it feels like I, I get myself in the, into the shoe of the person who has, who has particularly written this particular uh, judgment and so on and so forth. I, I believe this is the point of reckoning that I had uh, 15, 15, 16 years back. Um, no, even, even before that, uh, this would be 18, 18, 19 years back. So... I think it wasn't a point of uh, point. It wasn't a juncture that I could put a pin on and say that this is wow. This is an this is an area which I like. This is an area where I want to pursue. It just happened to be an area where where I excelled, 
and uh, i really liked uh, reading law and especially the residual part of a, of a legislature and that is something that i love to read so there used to be this so how a law is structured a law is structured by commencement title then you have got the body then you have got the residual pieces in terms of the power to enact and so on and so forth and then the repealing provision uh, to me to me it felt like i could perhaps draft a law and that is what led me towards uh, commenting on on law and that is when I, in 2007 i commented on uh, the india the make in india policy uh, or the the india manufacturing policy or the india five year plan that we had at that particular point of time i made a comment on it and uh, it, it exploded like a like a bomb it's fairly researchable so please do your your online uh, research in terms of what i had written and it went on to become quite big and in 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 a day or so uh it was a if i may be honest with you also it, it was uh, this was something which i was reading on the way from and i clearly remember where i was uh, i was reading this i was reading this from on my way from uh, uh from hyderabad uh when i was traveling from hyderabad to bangalore and this was uh, the time uh, when i didn't catch a flight uh, i i took the miserable route of taking a a, a bus and it was a it was a 11 12 hour journey and i didn't have anything to do and this was a time when you didn't have phones to uh, i mean you didn't have youtube and and what not to actually listen to podcasts and so on and so forth so the only only way that you can while away your time is by carrying a book and i happened to carry the the india it means nerdy as it may as it may sound i happened to carry the india five year plan i don't know why i carried it but i just carried it um and i was looking at it i was i was circling i clearly remember i took a pencil and i was circling every bit of what was written over there and i started thinking about what to write i reached bangalore and i uh pulled out my uh word 2007 edition i clearly remember that because i was a 7 edition and then 10 edition 13 and then 17 and then now we have what what not 365 so, so i'm just being a little nostalgic over here but uh, i typed it out and it was done in a day and the next day it got published and the day after without even my my knowledge there were scholars who were commenting who were uh, who were commenting on uh, uh, shrikant patsarthi explores india entry strategy uh, and there were commentaries on it so um, imagine being in your in your early career and with the paper just taking taking you to a different direction and i received phone calls after phone calls those were the times when true caller was not there so i had to literally pick up every phone call because you didn't know who was calling um and the phone was ringing non stop i that is when i realized that drafting is perhaps uh, my piece of uh, uh, is perhaps something that i would i would perhaps do so i had two opportunities one is three opportunities i would say one is to enter the civil services and get into the thick of drafting which i did in 2009 uh i cleared the prelims and i cleared uh 
then I cleared myself to the mains. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to clear the mains twice. But uh, twice I cleared the prelims. So uh, I perhaps uh, left the choice of uh, civil services. Then I had another choice, which is to become a politician. I wasn't, uh, I, I, I lacked the knowledge of the local language uh, um, summarily enough to, to actually become a politician. So um, I, I wouldn't have stood a chance. I hope I stand a chance right now uh, by your podcast. Hope this explodes. Uh, and uh, I am able to be a politician now. However, I did not desire to. The third was to was to make my own comment on legislation, and which is something that I did, which is far more accessible, and which is something which is more democratic, which everyone can do. So that is where I started. And uh, perhaps um, that is what I would advise your viewers who are students. Students, as in students who, people who are fairly uh, great textured in their, uh, in their hair, uh, who are also students, um, to, all, to actively consider legislation as a, as a piece of uh, work in progress that they could comment on. Right. I mean, if, of course, like... Uh if this episode at all does end up in a position of uh, you becoming a politician, I think that would be just as great of an achievement on my part as it was for your commenting on that piece of legislation. But primarily, I think this is a very interesting conversation and a very unique outlook uh, towards someone exploring uh, their career uh, fields, especially when it comes to finding that level of passion and understanding towards legislation. Um, you've previously mentioned that you find great pleasure in researching, even till today, you still find great pleasure in drafting and that uh, studying legislation is something that interests you a lot. Um, this is something that I've found slightly missing as a discourse amongst law schools. Like for now, what I understand is that majority of the law students have to talk about recruitment, uh, which I understand is fine. Like it's also required in the times which we live in. But there is a slight missing conversation or a discourse that surrounds that level of intellectual engagement. Uh, but for the people who generally want to explore this, for the people who are into academia, want to research, want to uh, find that nuanced understanding of reading into the law, reading into the text, as you mentioned, uh, filling the shoes of the drafters of the legislation. Uh, what advice would you have and what were the major challenges that you faced uh, while you were sort of building these skills as the set that would aid you while you were trying to perform uh, either in your job or while as a researcher or while finding opportunities? So I think uh, <clears throat> uh, I, I rolled this into the, into the introduction, which I gave you. I believe um, there is a lot of uh, subservience in the system, which um, makes a unique candidate to not be able to think uh, outside the the box for a, for a lack of a better uh, a phrase, uh, primarily because of the fact that there is a question of seniority in the in the in the field that we are in, and this runs by uh, by the level of seniority, and that and I think that is something that has to be done away with, primarily because of the fact that we cannot be questioning. Uh, uh, knowledge, or rather, we cannot be uh, equating knowledge with uh, seniority. Uh, that is, uh, 
that that is not how the brain functions or that is not how uh, sociology or cognitive uh, psychology actually works. Uh, there may be a correlation, but it's not necessarily true. Uh, when I uh, was a, a rather young, younger self, uh, I made a disruptive attempt at legislation. It succeeded, but uh, it was something that I kept under the wraps. I did not disclose it to anyone. I did not, uh, perhaps I made a very wise choice of not uh, uh, sharing it with anyone because if I had shared it with anyone, all I would have received, and I'm fairly certain that this uh, would have been the case, the, the advice that I would have received is, you are too dash young to do this, as simple as that. You cannot be doing that. Uh, so that would have put me off. It, it would have put uh, anyone, it would put anyone off. I believe uh, the students of today should make a very wise choice of taking certain decisions of, um, of research independently. They should not be falling back on uh, uh, advice can be sought as to the direction, but whether to start or not a research should be primarily done independently. I don't think uh, that should be left to the, to the discretion or advice to others, of others. That is number one. Number two is with regard to recruitment. Uh, with regard to recruitment, uh, I think I think uh, with law schools uh, having moot courts and then moot courts having, uh, I participate in a lot of moots and then even in moots is something. This is something that I tell tell the participants is to think of original arguments on the fly and not look at rehearsed arguments uh, to perhaps uh, put out to a particular uh, judge in terms of. Uh, what they would like to do. So uh, I do not believe in rehearsals. Rehearsals uh, is something that uh, students should do away with. Uh, in terms of uh, law schools, I would strongly urge you to go beyond the syllabus, which is there in the law school, and to research areas which are not there. For example, the marine uh, ecology is so unique that I'm sure even the top law school in India, and I'm liberty to say this, even the top law school in India does not quite teach you in their, uh, in their basic syllabus. So this is something that uh, if you are interested in maritime law and the law of uh, perhaps the marine uh, ecology and the protection of ecology, protection of uh, and whatnot, uh, of, of, of so and so so and so is something that uh, you should be looking at. So uh, I think I think there is a there is a lot of mechanical work which is happening, which is the research output that you are you as a, a candidate is giving out just for the brownie points of settling in a in a in a comfortable job, which could which would very well not be uh, within their domain of. Uh, of uh, what they've written. I think uh, where the engagement really cuts off is after graduating from a law school, you enter being an associate, you work 18 hours a day, uh, which should be, which I vehemently oppose. 
but uh, assuming that you work 15 16 hours a day there's a lot of work that you that you on board of course social life is definitely needed um, but i would pencil about 30 minutes of uh, time every day to just write on something to just explore on a topic that they like that they are passionate about and that 30 minutes would be an investment for your future and i'm not asking you to sacrifice on your on your work i'm i'm telling you after the work is done so you need not think about work all the time just start off with not 30 minutes let's say 15 minutes a day it adds up and 15 minutes a day just on something that they they like uh, is something that i would advise uh, uh, students to do and all the more for the students who are in law schools because you have i know you know you are definitely uh, not putting out uh, uh, 15 16 hours a day in studies you may very well be but uh, it may be during a limited duration it may not be continuous 15 16 hours so perhaps uh, pencil 30 minutes uh, out every day on something that you are passionate about finding the thing that you are passionate about itself is a journey and that 15 minutes of 15 minutes of individual so speak to yourself don't speak to anyone else just ask yourself what you like uh, and do not be influenced by um so and so said this is a career that we need to pursue so and so said that this is a area which is booming uh, perhaps i should research in that particular area no don't do that research on an area that you genuinely like genuinely uh, are persuaded by and that is that is an advice that i would give law schools and law students the law school should be adaptive in terms of i i teach in the the top 5 law schools in india and law school should be at least in my class i teach them to be adaptive and to explore a area of law that they have unheard of india passed something called the india antarctic bill a lot of us do not quite know what the what the antarctic bill was as to why we are passing the antarctic bill this should have been passed in 1963 we passed it in 2023 as a matter of fact i have written about it in the hindustan times um so that is something that uh, a student uh, or student of of law at whatever stage of gray in your hair uh, maybe uh, should actively be looking upon right so because i think there's so much to unpack from just this segment of the conversation number one being that what i understand as a juxtaposition to whatever the status quo is that people usually engage with research or engage with let's say writing for example or activities especially in law school for a definite motive of uh, tangibly converting it into something uh, that can land them a job i don't believe that majority narrative or the major narrative with respect to the study of law at least in the law schools that i'm familiar with is that there is a genuine curiosity with respect to a unique area of law that could be undertaken as a study undertaken as a research and different unique outputs can be brought about uh, but what you're suggesting is very unique you you even mentioned that you also judge both and this is definitely what i wanted to ask you about because also from a very selfish point of view because i've also experienced that but i think a lot of law students who uh, who sit for 
from moots and in my opinion mooting is one of the most uh, celebrated exercise one can undertake in a law school it generally awards a lot of experience especially with respect to the skill set made by research arguing presenting and as you mentioned recently uh, free thinking thinking on your feet especially when you are uh, not giving out rehearsed answers but giving out the answers which are original something that you can adapt to at that moment so from that perspective i think if you could tell me a little bit about what is it uh, in a law student that you see is important especially let's take the context of mooting that you would really appreciate if a law student does uh, when it comes to formulating of arguments is it primarily the research base or is it the ability to have a logical deductive conversation with a judge where you could simplify the factual situation and can have a conversation around it or is it a, a synergy of both these facts uh, the research as well as the factual matrix that is provided to everyone is there any such factor that really stands out for you when you are adjudicating such moots because we must have faced this uh, <clears throat> i ask a lot of questions and uh, i ask questions to the point that the that the candidate or the participant actually flips to me after on off camera so gladly it was uh, it was um, it was an online event and uh, off camera they they flip me uh, uh, a good one after after the moot um i'm considered to be quite uh, uh, he- not heavy but uh, quite a uh, uh, headache to to bear with i would say moot so the reason why i do so and this is something that i would like to share very 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 personally uh, with with the viewers of your channel is i would like them to tell me through research and through the an- analysis that they have done that i am dash wrong and i need to take a hike not in so many words but through the research and you cannot do a flip during the the mooting uh, exercise by saying shrikan shut up but you need to tell me to shut up by the research that you have done and that is something that i look forward in that is what i push them to and this is what i'm i have been pushing participants um, uh, in the in the jessup which concluded uh, recently uh, where i was in the global quarter final global round of eight and uh, uh, it was it was it is it is quite a quite a sad scenario that we in from india we, we were not uh in the in the round of 8 if i'm not wrong uh but uh, this is what i push them to the 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 level of diplomacy that they use of course i'm not a good example of diplomacy in this conversation at least the level of diplomacy that they use in telling me to take a hike through mm-hmm. research uh is something that i actually uh, look forward to and it gives me immense pleasure when one or two two teams uh, which have actually done that uh they do that and i tell them on their face after the after the mood that look you told me to take a hike i really liked it and there is a lot of uh, uh, i would say negative perception uh, which is which is there in the uh in the mooting exercise i would say uh where uh, they are again it points back to the subservience which i was referring to and this particular subservience is something that uh, they're quite subservient to the judge 
because they are going to award the points but i'm speaking only for myself the other uh, uh, i would say judges may not be like me but i like it when they flip one off to me uh, through research so i think this is very very interesting i'm very excited to hear that also because i also i, I had a senior who used to guide me in my initial years of voting in law school and she tell me you should have have that one shut up answer answer uh, to every major issue that you're dealing with so that if there if the if the questions or the grilling goes to a certain point you should have that one shut up answer you should have that one direct answer stop meandering around with unnecessary explanations but just come to one point of uh answer that really changes the tide of that conversation but this is very exciting i'm sure like this might not apply to all the judges and definitely might not work with every round but uh, what my experience was that when i was arguing before you the questions were so uh, uh was so engaging that i had so much fun simply having the conversation because there was a level of understanding with respect to what i wanted to convey and what was actually getting conveyed to you as well so that was absolutely wonderful from that standpoint i think since we've had uh, you've mentioned that you've judged jessup as well and obviously ways and then there is uh, fdi um do you think that this level of engagement with respect of uh, the international commercial law international law in general is a sign that law schools or law students today have started exploring an area which uh, which is which was usually something that we might not have explored in the past and is it a good exercise for us to purposely look for such areas of laws in international law that could provide us with opportunities which might not be necessarily available in india primarily because if we look at isds practice might not be very prevalent in india uh are limited to a couple of law firms or the teams that practice isds but when we look at countries like london or singapore they have a very vibrant practice when it comes to ic or isds for example do you think this is a good exercise for our legal industry in general to engage with this kind of a conversation or or, or study or law students participating in moves like these so uh, i hate to break it to you gostop so um, i think the the mooting as a concept or international law or heavy mooting or when i say heavy mooting moots which are difficult which are not your uh, your red petitions and i'm not saying red petition is is, is quite a uh, not not so challenging thing but uh, a little difficult and little more uh, advanced a little more technical issue like the exit or perhaps iscs investor state just like i mentioned fdi fdi mediation mode uh, i think i think uh, unfortunately because uh, india is witnessing a handful of schools amongst the 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 pool of schools that we have in india which is being represented in these moots which is very very unfortunate primarily because of the fact that the other i have interviewed quite a few candidates uh, from uh, law schools which i would not want to name but they have not heard of these moots they have absolutely not heard of uh, certain heavy moots uh, which happen so uh, to me the the level of engagement in the mooting community is definitely a yes but it should also be inclusive it should also include all the law schools which are uh, perhaps uh, engaging in the in the mooting exercise and second is i feel that the mooters who have who have mooted in these uh, moot courts should go out there 
and canvas uh, of course not being uh, a, a commercial uh, canvas or a commercial uh, proposition but to engage the younger the next generation of uh, of perhaps motors who have not even heard of this particular mode to to explain to them as to what uh, this mode is about and how difficult this mode was and what were the nuances of this particular mode and why is it difficult in the and why they should participate is something that i would want the 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 law schools of or the law graduates uh, to actually uh, do secondly uh the the reason why we have only a handful of practitioners of isgs cases in india is because of the sheer technicality of it it requires a lot of research and that points back to the to the uh, to the conundrum that we we were talking about uh, a while ago which is the research which is out there in isds if you would like to pursue isds and it genuinely interests you is absolutely uh, abysmal india has severed all its bits from 2016 and 2007 was the last time that india ever drafted its bits so uh, if you are looking at bits as a concept and legislation is definitely bit is a is a is a more formalized more formalized and independent secondary form of legislation that you would find uh, and if this interests you then you should be looking at the history of legis of legislating bits and so on and so forth i think uh, that is where we have lost the the plot to perhaps uh, uh, jurisdictions which are outside india primarily because of the fact that not because we lack uh, the understanding of it uh but because of the fact that we lack the appreciation of understanding of it right sir because i i, I remember having a conversation with another uh, wonderful guest i've had on this podcast and uh, uh, mr yamadur um, and he engages directly with isds and he was telling me how like there are the different reasons obviously there are different contexts to why the bits today for example are slightly restrictive from india's side and for all the all the various reasons that there are for example treatment clauses not being very rampantly present in most of the fta's that are being signed and all of those various different instances it respectively has an effect on the legal practice that exists inside a country and i think that effect necessarily translates into what kind of opportunities are available uh, to the law students who have to be either by uh, the limited privilege that they have to stay inside india and to practice inside india or to respectively work in a particular law firm for all the other reasons have a limited area of practice to explore but i think this is an interesting conversation especially from your perspective because as you mentioned you have also been engaging with pedagogy you've engaged with students on as a faculty member you've engaged with them um, uh, from a pure academic uh, perspective as well uh, if we are to talk about the environment that surrounds and you mentioned that law students law schools in general have a slight disparity that's a certain class of law schools that have all the exposure and and opportunities whereas there are other law schools which might not have the equal amount of exposure as a faculty as as a professor as a teacher as 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 an academician or as someone who's guiding law students engaging with them at an academic level on a very regular basis do you see there is if any evolution happening or if there is a requirement of an evolution and if there is at all a, a change that is required could you pinpoint any particular change in the way our pedagogy works that we can somehow make our law schools a little more useful from that perspective i think uh, the the question of uh, pedagogy starts with the professor and i think uh, 
the viewers uh, this is pointing to the fellow professors of mine uh, you should be drafting syllabuses which are open ended and which allow the participants to <clears throat> to explore outside the syllabus there's nothing called a syllabus in law let me be uh, let me be very clear about it there is a context there is a context of perhaps uh, international law and there is a context of perhaps international arbitration but now there is nothing called syllabus of international arbitration i think the question of syllabus has to be done away with uh, of course this is something that i wouldn't uh, i would not uh, want to comment on the on the nap but uh, i think the law professors have uh, at least in most universities which are um, autonomously run uh, or at least in in a handful of universities which are autonomously run should be should be drafting the syllabuses in such a manner that it gives a lot of ample uh, it got it gives a lot of room and ample opportunity for a participant to explore the different contours of interpreting the context and interpreting context is all all about uh, uh, vehemently searching for research outside the area that you're comfortable with and i i do not want to square it out or box it out to a particular silo because the moment you start creating silos you uh, i mean again i'm i'm using a metaphor over here there are different kind of silos and the silos that we create which is typically an area specialization that we do may very well be a jail bar the bars that we have in a jail so silo could be a good thing and silo could be a bad thing you don't want those silos that you that you create for yourself to be actually a jail for the knowledge uh, or a, a restraint on the knowledge that you intend to acquire so perhaps this is addressed to my fellow professors and to the students uh, i i wouldn't dare to say that uh, um, you go outside the syllabus but at least ask ask as to what you could do outside the syllabus and like i said uh, previously uh, you have 12 hours of engagement with the class 12 hours of engagement uh, in acad academic circles perhaps explore 15 minutes a day 20 minutes a day outside that academic and fly it by a professor and if you would like to fly it by me more than happy to uh, i respond to every email and i respond to every uh, text which i receive so more than happy to comment on it because i'm passionate about uh, students furthering their knowledge right sir right i think this allows for perhaps a very interesting uh, opportunity for all the law students because as you mentioned right there is definitely a requirement with respect to overhauling the way we look at the legal studies for example we all the law students this might sound very naive i understand coming from a law student but uh, we've always we've all had a contracts law subject as a semester subject we all studied for that but uh, subsequently in my last semester we started studying the economic theory uh, the law and economic theory of contracts and everything and then we realized that perhaps we should have been taught the economic theory of contract and the bargaining theory of contract while we were being taught contracts act in order to perhaps have a better understanding of how it was approached because at that point of time we only looked at contracts act from the perspective of the sections that were involved and the case laws that existed and i'm sure like that was also useful but in my opinion could have been a little more of a of a discourse could have been slightly more rich if we were taught from a backdrop and not limiting it to a very strict syllabus uh, that's a very interesting intake um, 
now i think uh, i i i wouldn't really stretch this conversation too far i think i've already taken a lot of time of yours but my last question to you is that you've had a very very celebrated career you've represented our country in multiple forums you've also researched you've also produced a lot of material you've carried a lot of students uh what would your advice be for any student who wants to follow your footsteps uh were there any particular challenges in your life that you would like to warn a student who uh perhaps wants to follow your path or wants to create a career profession like yours or wants to have a, a, a an identity or a, or a brand like yours in the legal industry and what would your suggestion be for them the the first and foremost suggestion would be to not follow my footsteps follow the footsteps that you would like to take and that is something that i have been vehemently uh, advising all the law students because following somebody else's footsteps is going to lead you to their goal and not to your goal um and this may sound like uh, a a motivational theory but uh, unless unless you would like to go to the same silo that uh, the person that you're following the footstep of uh, then you are uh, basically riding off the person's uh, the person's uh, life so um, my my piece of advice to the the students would be to find a meaning for law find a meaning for what you're studying and if you intend to be a lawyer if you intend to be a counsel if you intend to be a uh, someone who practices law then i would strongly urge you to find your calling within the uh, within the practice as to what exactly would motivate you to be there for life and when i mean life the next 40 years of your life and 40 years is a significant portion of the life uh, to be spent on so uh, find your calling and it happens and i'm being practical over here it happens that the the calling that you have it could be marine ecology and the law surrounding you you may very well may, may want to become a diplomat who uh, who legislates i mean who 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 signs uh, uh, a treaties with uh, with countries but it's not quite possible i also wanted to be a civil servant i also wanted to be a politician and i hope because of, uh, uh, you know something happens on that uh, line uh of course uh, i wouldn't want to take it up that's a different thing but uh, the point i'm trying to make over here is uh uh find a calling and uh, that calling is something that you can do on the side uh and that is something that you should be doing on a regular basis and uh, if you're able to do it on a daily basis on a moment to moment basis by by separating your brain into two parts one for the practical reasons as to why you may want to get into xyz uh, and co and practice contract and practice arbitration practice uh, litigation and uh, day in and day out you will be doing property act you will be doing writs and and what not that is your side profession let's be very clear about it your main profession is this i mean the side profession will earn you so that is your side income this is your main income in the sense that main income that you're investing in the future uh toward uh pursuing a particular goal that you intend to pursue so uh, that is in no way demeaning uh what you are doing right now that is in no way insult to uh, any of these law firms 
who are uh, who are currently uh, who you are if you are a viewer you are engaged with but uh, it is it is just a piece of advice for you to follow um, uh, the follow the calling that you have in law and um, sometimes it so happens that uh, you realize that law is not your calling i've uh, i've seen a, i've seen quite a few friends who have uh, pursued a career in law uh, for some time and they realize that it was not their calling and they did this exercise of 10 minutes every day or 15 minutes every day and they found their uh, um, their calling in sports and i found people who have done sports at 40s they find the calling in law so i've seen both ends of the of the of the power struggle i would say so uh, find a calling uh, this is not something that is that is unique that i'm telling you but uh, uh, remember that your calling pays pays off better than your main job your calling pays off better than your main job wow this could this could very well be the thumbnail of this episode i could very well use this in all the different places especially where i i think this is a very interesting sort of a concept because obviously you don't require an overhaul immediately you can simply just invest 10 15 half an hour every day and have that consistency bring out the fruits uh, for any calling that you would want to explore this is this has been absolutely wonderful i'm really really grateful for this conversation so i could not have imagined that i would have this opportunity to speak with you and let alone take this conversation to everyone who watches this podcast and definitely would love to either get uh, uh, get your guidance either in future would connect with you and definitely follow your guidance um i think this has been one of the best conversations i've had on this podcast i'm really grateful once again uh, do you have any closing remarks for our viewers who been who watched this podcast who listened to this podcast i would close by saying um, you are you are lucky that kostub is asking such engaging questions because this is something that uh, i i believe you would have wanted to ask and i believe everyone would i think it's a collective uh, question that the that any law student or any student of of life would perhaps want to ask and i would like to thank you kostub for this engaging discussion and to help me uh, share a very honest and peaked view in terms of uh, what i felt about uh, about law and uh, i would i would uh, be looking forward to more such conversations from yours uh, uh, and perhaps uh, be able to guide uh, a few students as well if at all and that's my calling by the way that's something i realize that i'm uh, uh, i'm good at perhaps uh, guiding right so i think uh, it goes without saying that it's been an honor for to have for me to have this conversation and obviously it will be an honor to host you again i hope to have as many conversations as i can because definitely it's a learning experience through and throughout uh, thank you so much for this opportunity i had a wonderful time i hope you had a good time too thank you so much for joining me thank you thank you so much sir.